Good morning, church. How's everybody in the house? Good. That was like a wave of clapping. It kind of started over here. How's everybody in the house? All right, that's what I'm talking about. That's a tsunami. Good to see you today. We're glad that you're here. If you're a first-time guest, you may have already been told this, but we can't tell you enough. We're glad that you're here. If you're a second-time guest, we're, we're glad, and we're just glad to have you coming to North Star. North Star is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. Normally, if you're a first-time guest, normally the people of the church join with me on that last part. But uh, I'm going to do it again. North Star is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. You got it. You got it. If you are a first-time guest... Uh, we'd love to know it uh, officially, and you can text the word GUEST to this number, 662-493-2311, 493-2311. And we'd appreciate uh, hearing that you were here, and I um, hope you feel welcome at this, in this place. We're one church with two locations, three counting our online uh, folks, and we're, we're just glad to be, uh, trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I, I heard a song yesterday on the message. Um, who was that? I was going to tell you who it was, but I can't think of his name. Matthew West, I believe. And it may not be a new song, but it's the first time I'd heard it. And he said, man, I'm tired of talking about being the hands and feet of Jesus. It's time we start doing it. Amen? That's a good time to amen, church. And so... Uh, I want to be the hands and feet. Just don't talk. I don't want to keep talking about it. I just want to, I just want to do it. I want to tell you about a couple of things uh, that are coming up uh, in our church. And uh, everything that comes up in our church, I feel like it's important. But I, I want to mention uh, a couple of things right now. And one is um, Orange Night. Orange Night. Orange Night is for difference makers. If you have been are or would consider being a part of our North Star Kids ministry, come to Orange Night next Sunday evening right here at South Hill Campus. Uh, I mentioned Orange a few weeks ago. If you're new to North Star, you might not have heard me say anything about it, but <clears throat> I'm, I'm just giving you a little bit at a time. But let me tell you, when I say we're going Orange and something Orange is coming, uh, it's going to. You're going to hear more about it as we lead up to it. But Orange is, it's about loving our kids at, at North Star. Orange is about loving our families at North Star. Orange is about loving our people. And Orange is about stepping outside the building and loving our communities and our region. It's, it's, it's an overall uh, theme, but more than a theme, it's an overall uh, direction that our, our church, we've always been for our kids. We've always been for our people. We've always been for our families. We've always been for our communities. But Orange, what Orange is going to do, it's going to, it's going to, uh, teach us to learn a sustainable rhythm as we 
uh, minister to each other and to our world. So I'm really pumped about, about Orange. I'll be talking more about that. But if you have been are, or would consider being a part of North Star Kids, if you would text NS Kids, NS Kids to the same number, 662 493 2311, um, it'll, it'll get you on the list. And we hope that you'll consider prayerfully uh, doing that. One other thing coming up this year, we started uh, first Saturday serve days. And I think it's awesome. I love being a part of a church that likes to serve its community. And so our first Saturday, uh, January has already happened, obviously, but first Saturday serve day is coming up in February, February the 3rd, and we'll be feeding <coughs> the Salvation Army uh, lunch, and we'll be working in the uh, warehouse of Helping Hands, helping Melissa Pound, uh, who leads that ministry. So if you... Uh, would be interested and willing uh, to, to serve on this particular first Saturday serve day, text the word, I know it's a lot of texting today, but text the word serve, not your name or anything, just the word serve, to uh, that same number, all right, 493-2311, and we'll get you signed up, and we'll have a good time as we, uh, we are the hands and feet of Jesus on that particular serve day project. Uh, I'm privy to, to, as to what the, the rest of the year serve, first Saturday serve day projects are, and I'm excited about what God uh, has in store for us. You glad you came to church today? Give God a praise clap today, would you? <clears throat> all right, all right. We're in a, a, a season of prayer and fasting. It started on January the 14th. That's just one week, and I don't know if you were here the day that I talked about uh, a deep cleaning in your car as opposed to just like going spraying it off in a car wash. A deep cleaning is when you get underneath the seats and, and all of that. Y'all remember that? Okay. And I said, um, you might even find some French fries that have been there for like six months and during the fast, they will actually look good. Well, guess what I did yesterday? A semi-deep cleaning and guess what I found under my seat? And I know, uh, and I'll just be honest with you, if, if I were not doing this time of prayer and fasting, I, it, it looked so good, and I was kind of hungry at the time, I probably would have eaten them. You know, it's just petrified. But uh, anyway, we are in a time of prayer and fasting, and I said a few weeks ago that if you're fasting without praying, then you're just hungry. And so whatever type of fast that you may be doing during this period of prayer and fasting, and, and you may be new to North Star, and you might consider being a, a, a part of this, uh, you can go to our website, ns.church, and read all about prayer and fasting. But as we pray and fast, fasting is about hearing from God. I, I said this, this is the definition, a definition of fasting. Fasting is letting go of the natural, like something and usually food, but it could be social media or whatever. It's letting go of the natural and taking hold of the supernatural. It's letting go of the earth and taking hold of something not of the earth. It's, taking, it's letting go of something of the world, and it's taking hold of something of another world. You can't even say it like I did. Of another world. And that's uh, heaven. And so 
that's what our time of prayer and fasting is. And one last thing about that. And uh, at both of our campuses, we have set up a prayer room that on Wednesday mornings at 6 and Wednesday evenings at 6, you can go to that designated place and spend uh, a few minutes before work or a few minutes in prayer. And uh, at the Saltillo campus, at this campus, <clears throat> that prayer room is set up all week long. So all during our office hours, uh, you can come and just, just go in for as long as you want and, and spend some time in prayer. All right, we're in a series. Let me, let me change gears a little bit now. We're in a series called Restart. Wouldn't it be nice if you could restart your life? And through the series, I've been saying you can't go back, but you can start over. Praise God for that. How many times, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us have started over multiple times? I have, I know, uh, many times in, in my Christian walk, I've started over. You can't go back. And I've said this, I said, this year, don't let the, the, the regrets of the past year be the regrets of this year. Because I'm thinking, you know, I regret this. I, I wish I hadn't have done this. I wish I hadn't have said this. I wish I'd have gone a different direction. And, and so I'm making sure that the regrets that I had last year, 2017, are not the regrets that I have uh, this year in 2018. Now today I'm going to talk about not only you can't go back, but you can start over. I want to talk about the life you've always wanted. The life you've always wanted. And uh, I'm going to, we're going to be looking at a guy that, that tells us about that subject uh, today in, in the message. Uh, I noticed on Google, Google came up with a, uh, a list of what the top five or ten things that people say that they want to happen in 2018. Uh, let me give you just a couple of them. Like to, to lose weight or to eat better, to eat healthier was one of them. Start back to the gym, bless God, uh, was another one. Uh, to, to travel more, to be more consistent, to read more. I didn't send that one in. But what's interesting is when I read that list of all the, the top 10 things that people want to happen this year, the truth is, what's interesting, the truth is uh, statistics tell us, studies tell us that we only keep 8% of our resolutions. So only 8% of the New Year's resolutions that people make, only 8% of those are, are, actually, are actually kept. Have you ever felt like, I know I have, have you ever felt like you were just uh, spinning your wheels? I'm talking about in life. Have you ever felt like, man, I just feel like a, my life is really not going anywhere. I mean, I serve in the church and um, I'm involved in this. I've got these friends, but it seems like my life is just, just like uh, spinning its wheels. You may even feel like your life is spinning out of control. Well, I want to ask you this question. What, what's your end game? What, what really, what is your goal in life? I, I guess the deeper question would be this, and I, I put this on the screen so that, so that you could see the question. If you actually had the perfect life, would it satisfy you? 
let that marinata, let that marinate uh, in your spirit for just a minute. If you actually had the perfect life, would it, would it satisfy you? The truth is, if I were to ask you, what do you think the, the perfect life would be? I would actually get a different answer probably from every different person that's listening. So if you had the perfect life, would it actually satisfy you? We're going to talk about a guy today that, um, that uh, thought he had the perfect life. And he realized that his perfect life really didn't satisfy him. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who wrote with an impeccable reputation in the spiritual life, wrote over half of the, Bible, of the New Testament, part of the Bible. He was writing a letter one time to a church in the city of Philippi. Now this city, it's a very interesting city because the city of Philippi was like a retirement city. It was like the all Philippian, you'd come to the city and see a big sign that would say, welcome to Philippi, a retirement community. <laughs> because <clears throat> the revered and respected and retired uh, generals of the Roman army, that was their spot. That's where, when they were in the coffee room talking about where they wanted to retire, they would all say, oh man, I'm, I'm going to get a villa in the city of Philippi. So it had a lot of Roman generals there in this retirement village, but not only Romans, there were some Jews that lived there, and there were some converted Jews that lived in the city of Philippi, meaning the, the Jewish people uh, in the Bible days were looking for the Messiah, and when Jesus came, you know the story? Born of the Virgin Mary, and is the Messiah, the Christ, the, the Jews as a whole did not recognize him, but there were Jews that con converted to Christianity. You know how a Jew converts to Christianity? The same way you and I convert to Christianity. We put our trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and, and we follow him. Well, there were some Jews living in the city of Philippi, and then there were also some Judaizers that lived in the city of Philippi. A Judaizer is uh, a Jew that says, hey, they teach this. They said, all right, so it's okay. If you can convert to Christianity. Talking to other Jews, you can convert to Christianity. But the teaching of the Judaizers was that you can convert to Christianity, but you've got to do the same things you were doing as a Jew, meaning uh, circumcision, meaning you can convert to Christianity, but you got to uh, obey the same laws that a Jewish person would obey. You can convert to Christianity, but you got to eat, eat the same food that a Jewish person would eat, no pork chops. And so, seriously, and so uh, that was the teaching of, of Judaism. Uh, the Judaizers uh, were, were teaching. Now, there was a guy named Paul that as he wrote this letter, he was writing this letter uh, to these people to be read. And it was, it was most likely read in other churches too, but the church at Philippi, he wrote the book of Philippians. 
Now, having set that up, are, are you with me so far? Having set that up, I want us to read the passage. You follow along as I read from Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse number 4. The Bible says, though, Paul said, I myself have reasons for such confidence. Uh, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. He's, he's setting them up. He says, uh, he, he lists now, he says, he lists seven things. He said, you think you got it. You think you thought you had achieved? You think you thought that you had success? I thought the same thing. I thought I had those trophies on my shelf, and I thought they were meaningful. And he lists seven things here. This is what I was, Paul said. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe, of, well, that's the second, of the people of Israel, third, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Verse 7, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And Paul was saying, he said, I've got all of these trophies, but they're meaningless. How many know that it doesn't matter how many trophies you got if you don't have uh, the people in your life, the trophies are meaningless. There's just nothing. They're just plastic in most cases. So Paul said, I have all these trophies. I was, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was a, the Jew of Jews. You couldn't get any better than me. You couldn't have achieved more than me. I Listen, I got there. <laughs> I ran that race, man. And it was not worth it. I found all this stuff worthless. Maybe, maybe there are some listening today that are thinking, man, I, I, know, I can relate to that in my own small way. Uh, I've, I, I've tried for years to, to make this happen. I've tried for years to achieve this. I've tried for years to, to have these things. And when I finally got them, I realized they're really meaningless and worthless. So I begin the message today. If you're taking notes, and please take notes, uh, with the first thing that I want you to see, and it's a question, where is your life taking you? Where is your life taking you? <laughs> Which, wh what you're doing in your life, let me just answer that question. Where, where are you going go to end up? If you keep on the road that you're on right now, where, where is it going to take you? Where is your life taking you? This is what I know, and I'll give you a moment to write this one down. It's kind of long. Every decision leads to a direction. Every direction leads to a destination. I'm telling you, that was worth coming to church for today. But let me explain it. Every decision that you make steers you in a direction. If I make, I want to leave it up for just a minute. Uh, if, if you make the decision to, to do something that, that uh, might be unpopular, it's, it's leading you. You're going to follow that decision in a direction. And every direction leads to a destination. Paul, in the next few verses, 
In verse 8, he says this. He says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. If you compare all of the trophies, the Jew of Jews, a Hebrew, I knew the law. I kept the law. I had all of these trophies set up. But he said, compared to knowing Christ, he said, they were a loss. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have still lost all things. I consider them garbage. I'm going to come back to that word. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but, but that which is through faith in Christ. He said, I, I based everything that I had, my achievements, my successes, I based them on the law, and according to the law, I was good. He said, but compared to Christ, it was, it was not he says in verse 10, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So Paul said, I had all of these trophies. What would your trophies be? I'm not talking about a trophy you would get in sports. But what are the trophies that you've, you've, you feel like you've achieved in your life? You feel like has given you success in your life. Paul said, compared to Christ and the things of God, they're empty, they're worthless. He even uses the word garbage. The word garbage in that passage is skubala. Scubala, it's a Greek word that is very offensive. When it was written or spoken, it was a very offensive word, but Paul was sitting there pinning, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he was pinning this letter to the Philippian church. And he said, you know, scubala, uh, I don't know, that's a pretty strong word. It, it actually meant dung. He said as, as he and some translations use that word. He said, as he was pinning that, he said, no. He said, these trophies that I've got, that's what they are. I don't mean to be offensive, but he said, hey, that's, I'm calling it like I see it. I had all this stuff, and it was really just scubala. It was really just garbage. So I asked the question, where is your life taking you? What? Treasures on earth are you laying up that moth and rust are going to destroy? When, you, when, when you're dead and gone, the stuff that you've achieved and the things that... I'm not saying don't achieve. I'm not saying don't be successful. I'm not saying don't have fun. But I'm asking, are those things going to be left where moth and rust will destroy it? Or is your life going to have significance? So number two, if you're taking notes, success and significance are not the same. Success is not the same as significance. Okay, so you've succeeded. That doesn't mean that you're significant. 
So you've succeeded, but that doesn't mean that your life is in order. So you've got these trophies. You, you, got, you got that raise, that, that ideal house, that ideal career. So you're successful. I'm, I'm not against being successful. But success, this is a lesson that I had to, that really had to sink into my head. And that is that success is not the same thing as significance. So that, the follow-up to that, if you're taking notes, is this one. Do not live for temporary success when you should be pursuing eternal significance. Do not live for a temporary success when you really you should be pursuing something of eternal value, something of eternal significance. Paul said, I, I did that. I got those things. Paul, when he would go somewhere, like when he was going to Damascus to kill more Christians, that's what he did before he met Christ. Paul would never walk the, that kind of distance. He would always take a chariot or a horse and an entourage because he was so highly respected that that's what he did. And Paul said, when I finally got success, and this didn't really happen until he met Christ, and we're going to look at that in just a second, but when I finally got the trophy, when I finally got the 72-inch Somebody ain't in that wide screen. I'm thinking, um, when I finally paid off those credit cards, or when I finally, success is not the same as significance, and, and I, I can't do it. Can I just be transparent with you? Like I'm not ever. I'm pretty transparent up here. Um, uh, I, I am a user, by the way. I, I, I don't just prescribe, prescribe it. I don't just get up here and tell you what you need to do. I use it. Can I get an amen to that? Amen, somebody. I don't, just, I don't just prescribe this to you. I use this stuff. So how do I do it? Let me tell you how I do it. I can't find significance. I can't pursue things of significance of eternal value without going to Jesus for my significance. So every day I have to go to Jesus. My significance is not found on whether you brag on me or compliment me or, or bring me a coconut cake and sausage balls even though we're fasting. I have to go to Jesus. Seriously, I have to go to Jesus. Jesus helped me not to eat that coconut cake. No, I have to go to Jesus and say, I have to go to God and say, God, I, uh, I'm weak, you're strong. I don't know how many times this morning that I've said that. I can't walk out here and talk to you. I can't come out here and teach you the Word of God. I, I can't come out here and, and tell you all this stuff in my own strength. That's why. <laughs> I'm serious. God, I don't know how many times I've said this this morning, but I've never walked on this stage without having said it. God, all of you, none of me. You're going to have to do it. 
Sometimes I say, God, uh, you're going to have to do more of it today than you think that I'm even asking you to do. You're going to have to do it. I can't do it. And so I have to go to Jesus, not only for my strength, but for my significance. I want to I want to show you a passage of scripture. This is, we're going to look at this again, but not today. I want to just look at it quickly. Uh, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9, listen to this. I'm going to read it like really super fast. So listen really closely. As he, this is Paul, uh, his name was Saul, but after, after he met Christ, it became Paul. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? This was Jesus talking. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. He said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but he didn't open his eyes. Uh, but when he opened his eyes, he could, could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, did not eat or drink anything. So here is self-sufficient Paul. Not a need in the world. Every need he ever had uh, was, was met. Never went hungry. But suddenly, he realized he needed Jesus. And so here's self-sufficient Paul. And so this is what I want, this is the take-home for you. Jesus saves us from self-sufficiency. All of these trophies are, are worthless. But Paul learned that Jesus saved even him. Being self-sufficient. Uh, if somebody that is, can see the sins and the flaws of others, and they usually say something about it, but they never look at their own flaws and sins. It's, looking, it's, it, it's being easy to point out somebody else's weakness, but slow to seeing your own weakness. This is what I know. I know that power and prominence will never satisfy us like a person can. And so all of this that Paul was writing in, to the Philippian church was based on the fact that he, he had power and prominence, but he wasn't satisfied. How many know that uh, the, uh, the, the uh, blessed life is not always an easy life? I, I've been blessed so many times. But sometimes, God has to blind me in order that I can see. Paul was blinded, and he met Jesus, who saved him from his self-sufficiency. He knew the Lord, and Jesus started Changing his life. This is something else that I know. Our accomplishments and achievements are worthless in comparison to the ultimate worth of knowing Jesus. That's why he said this was scubala. 
now that I met Jesus, I realized this was scubala, this was garbage. Because Jesus changed my life. When Jesus came into my life, my life was never, ever, ever the same. Let me ask you this question. What in your life right now, what in your life, if it were taken away, would wreck your life? Just think about that one. What one thing in your life, if it were taken away, it would, it would wreck your life? What trophy? Paul said they're, they're worthless. And he finally learned this lesson. And that lesson is, is that he said, my success is not built around achievements and accomplishments, but that the fact that I'm unconditionally loved by God. Hey, look, trophies, sports, I know we, we all, most of us, or, or a lot of us, our kids are in sports or were in sports. And I know what it's like to be a, a parent that's driven. And you, I'm, I'm, I was driven. I wanted to see my kids succeed. But at the end of the day, what, what, what's, the, what's the trophy worth if your kids don't know the Lord Jesus? I'm, I'm, I'm not against sports. Hey, look. I'm not against making money. I think that's a good thing. But you can make all the money in the world and not give to the Lord's work. What does it matter in the end? What, you, you, your kids have something? No. The government has something. That's who gets our, our inheritance. You can have the best career and you can be employee of the year. But if you don't know Jesus, if you're not plugged in to ministry and doing things of eternal significance, what does it really matter? So where, where is your life taking you? The life that really matters the life that follows Jesus. And all God's people said what? Amen. Father, thank you for today. Th thank you, God, for the word that God, uh, you, you knew, you told Paul exactly how to write, inspired him, and, and how this that, this that was written to a church many hundreds of years ago is just as applicable to us here today. Maybe for the first time you realize that you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Let me be the, the one to remind you today that it's, it's not about religion, but it's about a relationship. And if you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, would you do that right now?
it's something that you have to do from your own heart. I can't do it for you. I can uh, pray as an example for you, but this needs to be your heart's decision. And you can say something like this, Dear God, today, I'm, I'm a sinner. I know that. And I give up. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and he rose from the grave. And God, today, right here in, in this service, I put my trust in you. I surrender my life to you as Savior. I follow you today as Lord. Now, if that was your heart decision today, the only thing I'm going to ask you to do is on, on the listening guide that you received when you came through the door, there's a, a part that tears off at the bottom. Would you fill that out, indicating that you made that decision? And if you, if you bring it to guest services, we, we'll give you a book. We're not going to take any of your time, but we just most, mostly we just want to know so we can pray for you. Maybe your prayer today is, oh God, help me to refocus my priorities. And thank you for helping me to understand the life that I've always wanted is a life that walks after and follows Jesus. And I'm going to ask that everyone please stand. I want to pray for you. I'm praying for you during the fast, and I'm praying for you right now that God would just reveal himself to you in a fresh way as we close out the service in this this time of worship let's do so with our eyes focused on him father thank you so much uh, for this day thank you lord for just giving us the privilege of coming here and, and god uh, to hear from you we pray god that during these closing words and worship that you would still this in our spirit. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name.